If I focus on the how of how I want to live, how I want to make things, how I want to pursue these things, maybe the what will take care of itself. Welcome to Beyond the Fourth Wall. In this podcast, we're investigating how the skills we cultivate as theater artists transfer beyond our industry. I'm Lindy. And I'm Joseph. Each week, I'll be chatting with creatives from many different industries. And every couple of episodes, I'll hop in with Lindy for a conversation connecting the dots and applying what we learn to our everyday lives. We're so glad you're here. Now get ready to go Beyond the Fourth Wall. thrilled to welcome home Michelle J. Rodriguez. Michelle was raised in Washington State and right here in Lexington, Kentucky. She's a graduate of Henry Clay High School and the Kentucky Governor's School for the Arts and has since gone on to create an incredible career as a theater artist and songwriter. She's a 2020 Van Leer Fellow at Ars Nova, the premier hub for new talent in New York City, and often works with the public theater in New York City, both with Joe's Pub and the Mobile Unit. Today, we are unpacking her incredible journey, brilliant advice, and celebrating her unique new voice on the musical theater scene. Please welcome Michelle. Michelle J. Rodriguez, welcome back to the Lexington Theater Company. Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. It's so good to see you. It's a delight to be here with you across the virtual space. Across the virtual space. I say welcome back to the Lex, but just to clue our listeners in, uh, because they were not part of our Zoom class that you came to be a guest artist at with our Story Cycle program, of course, which is directed by the amazing Joseph Wrightson. But this spring semester of our Story Cycle workshop, which is our songwriting workshop, for young people here in Central Kentucky, got to hear from you about your amazing story and you worked with them on their songs. I know it was so inspiring to all of them. And Joseph and I were just like, we have to see if she'll come on the podcast and share her story with everyone. So we're so glad that you're here. Oh, I'm so glad too. The students were equally inspiring to me. I was so happy to share time and space with them. Oh, well, you were so generous, and we're actually recording this episode on the eve of their recording session, so it's very special. Oh, I know, it's, it's very special. They're headed into the studio tomorrow to make the magic happen, and um, so I know you will be, that you will be part of the process in their, in their spirit, so thank you for all you've brought to our program. Oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking forward to um, crying when I listen to the songs for the first time, because they were already in such great shape and already really, really moving, just sharing themselves in that medium. Well, let's talk about you and your songwriting and your amazing talent. I want to get to all of that, but I'd like to actually go back to sort of where it all began. Sure. Do you remember, do you have a, a, a like a specific memory of when you fell in love with 
music, musical theater. I know you have a passion for all kinds of music. What was it in your childhood that started to shape that love of telling stories through song? There's so so many distinct origin points of that. I mean, I've now I've had time after my childhood to really think about that. We would watch a lot of VHSs from the library together as a family, and a lot of those were movie musicals. That's where the musical bug hit. I mean, watching Fiddler on the Roof and it feeling like, oh yeah, that's my family. Like, my dad's Tevia, just Puerto Rican Tevia. I love that. For me, for writing, um, I really got into writing through reading. I just did a lot of reading, obsessed with reading, Uh, My first songs that I wrote were in high school with a friend who went to Henry Clay High School with me, my friend Amy, and we would write songs about our summer reading books. Those were the first songs that I wrote. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. You know, we, we are so encouraging all of our young artists that study with us to read, 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 because it's such a good cross-training for their for their work and so it's so fabulous to hear that you took that summer reading assignment from high school and you said let's write a song about this yeah let's let's write it let's write an album of 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 ukulele songs about julius caesar what could be more appropriate but yeah i you know i think i think being a voracious reader just being able to read stories from like really all over the world it just like gives you a sense of the pulse of like human storytelling like Everywhere that people are, there are families, family tensions, family dramas, like everywhere around the world, there's music. People are expressing themselves and expressing their culture in ways that are very different, but there's a strong human pulse to it all, you know? I sense that that's really important to you just from the way you talk about your work and your work. It is so much based in this human storytelling and communicating real issues, real problems, real exciting things that happen to us, no matter where you're from or what your background is, you can relate. I just love that about your work. Thank you. It's funny because you're saying like talking about real things and I'm like, yeah, when I think about it, I do write about real things. And I think a real human experience is the magic, (laughs) the magic that elevates a normal day to a day when um, people are singing about it. (laughs) Yeah. Singing about their lives, you know, in this musical theater way. Um, I was just talking with a friend who's Jewish about this Passover question that is asked at the Passover Seder. Like, why is this night different from other nights? And I love that question of like, what makes this day different than, than any other day? That magic that might change a person's life. I love it. I think that's what I love so much about musical theater is that magic, the magic of elevating those real human emotions with song. And that's that's what you do. That's what you do. So you're writing songs with your high school friends about Julius Caesar. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. And so uh, from there, was there ever a moment that you thought, okay, this is this feels like where I can use my gifts to serve. I want to study this. I want to move in this direction, maybe post-high school, post-college. Do you remember that moment? Yes. Yes. Well, I think that that moment came a bit before the writing. Because if you're writing your own songs, to a certain extent, you're also performing them. And 
I was very shy to perform. I sang. I really liked singing. I felt really shy if people noticed. I went to the Rock LaRocca United Methodist Church. Now it's Embrace Church on North Limestone. These two women, Terry Foley and Ellen Dennison, they approached me and they said, hey, you're, we noticed you're singing. We think you're really talented. We have this friend at the University of Kentucky. She's from Venezuela. She teaches voice. We think you all would really get along and we want to pay for your voice lessons. And of course I was like, no, I, I mean, I was just like shy. I was just like nervous. I was like, no, don't listen to me. Don't look at me. Ugh. But I, I ended up taking voice lessons from Dr. Noemi Lugo. And that really changed the course of my thinking that I could make music as my career. I was 14 or 15 Puerto Rican in Kentucky, not that many Puerto Ricans in Kentucky, seeing this South American woman made this career out of music and teaching that was really influential for me to have her look into my life and want to cultivate my gift. You know, I I learned art songs, of course, in French and Italian. She snuck in a song called Preciosa by Rafael Hernandez, who's a Puerto Rican composer. I was like 16 singing somewhere from West Side Story for auditions. She helped me connect not only with my craft, but also culturally helped me connect. That song, Preciosa, I'll never forget working on that song with her. I love that story so much on so many on so many levels. I'm I'm a huge fan of Dr. Lugo and I sh- I can just um, imagine her taking you under her wing. She's such an amazing teacher and such a sweet lady. I just adore I didn't know her. You knew her. Yes. I didn't know you knew her. Yes. Oh my goodness. Her daughter Claudia and I used to dance together when we were younger. Lindy, oh my heart is soaring like a hawk to hear that. I oh, love that. It's just so cool to hear this story on a on a personal level, but also what I I just love this power when your teachers, your mentors and those beautiful people at your church saw the potential and nurtured it and gave you that confidence. Now, in much the same way that I just watched you do the same thing for our students here at the Lex and and the beautiful way that you're paying it forward and seeing their potential and and helping them cultivate their craft. It's just stunning. It's just stunning. That's the that's the Tony Award, isn't it, Lindy? For me, like I think about it and it's like in this culture of making art where there's like these very singular accolades that people really holds the gold standard of like Tony award winning, Grammy award winning, whatever. I think about those kinds of moments and like working with your students, having them say things about my work or hearing their work be so, so full of their own lives. I'm like, okay, well, that's my Grammy award. I feel like I've kind of won in a major nourishing way. Oh, that makes me want to grab a quote This was something that you said to the students and I, I have it here in my notebook because I was like, yes, yes, because you were talking about when those big dreams come true and you were saying, you were saying how important it is that not just that it's the dream, but also I wrote down, it's the dream if it aligns with your values. And I thought that was such a huge lesson because I think it's just what you're saying. We have these 
yeah. big ideas. And we talk about this on the podcast a lot, that there's these ideas of like, what does success look like? And what does, you know, I have arrived, I've, you know, achieved this, achieved that, I've worked at this theater company, or I've been commissioned by this theater company. Mm -hmm. But what I love is that it seems from my time listening to you speak, it has to be also in alignment with telling the stories you want to tell, doing the work that you're passionate about. It's not just about achieving. It's also about that beautiful alignment. The balance of those things is the um, practice of a whole lifetime. <laughs> it's the practice of a whole lifetime, I believe. Because of course, I mean, I, I remember... <laughs> myself at those young ages going to Kentucky Governor's School for the Arts and being with all these other kids who were also interested in musical theater and I was writing my first musical when I was like 17 at that time and being very ambitious and having a strong ambition for the thing that you want to achieve the thing that you want to do and it's not wrong to be ambitious it's very good it's great but I think that I have seen it happen and I've noticed it that sometimes you're like, oh, I've achieved this thing. Now I'm living the dream. Well, great. Now the dream is your reality and you have to live in that reality. You have to work with that reality. So hopefully it's one where you feel valued, where you feel like you can do your best work, where you feel like, you know, you're working towards something that you that you believe in. There's nothing like being in a room full of people who want to be there with their whole hearts and really work with their whole minds and hearts towards making make-believe with each other. Yes. Yes. Like, there's nothing like it. And I, I can't wait to be back in those rooms where it's like, we're all just putting our all into making this for an audience. The room that you're in, I hope it can be a room that you want to be in. Because one day you're, you know, you might be making the room. That is so good. Joseph and I have talked about in some of our recap sessions about how magical it would be if we could turn the whole world into our rehearsal room. Just everything that we love to do in that beautiful, safe, collaborative space. Just like you were saying with your, you know, playing pretend and working together, but with our whole hearts. Oh. Speaking of the big dreams... And really getting to do the work that you are excited about. You have had some amazing opportunities these last few years with some amazing theater companies like Ars Nova and the Public Theater in New York City. Tell us more. How exciting. Those opportunities come from relationships. You know, I lived in Chicago for, for a few years before moving to New York friends of friends of producers of people who worked in these different theaters seeing me perform and wanting to then give me a chance when I think about the folks at um, the public theater that I've been able to work with in the mobile unit and also at Joe's pub which has been such a creative home for me they those two groups took me on tour February of 2020 yeah just being able to build relationships with folks who are excited about championing your work. There's nothing so gratifying. I think that is such an important point. And another one that comes up quite often on the podcast, which is the the power of 
building those relationships and doing great work with great people and finding that community. Patrick O'Neill back in season one, one of my favorite quotes, without the community, the work is nothing. And I think um, the, the this whole idea of, of remembering that it really is about these beautiful human relationships and finding the people who who are going to be producing the work that you want to do, who are going to be creating the work with you that you want to do. I love that you called Joe's Pub your artistic creative home. I think that's so cool. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've had this the freedom to sort of play there and, and create some really exciting new things? The first show that I got at Joe's Pub was in, oh my gosh, November of 2017. I was still living in Chicago and I was performing in a storytelling night at Steppenwolf that was put on by some amazing friends. Sandra Delgado is an incredible dear friend and person about town in the Latinx theater scene in Chicago. She was putting together this night and a producer came up to me afterwards and was like, I know people who work at Joe's Pub. I think that that would be an ideal place for the kind of music that you're making. I think people are really hungry for for what you're doing, which I presented, you know, a totally bilingual set of songs. They gave me a midnight slot. And so God bless all my friends <laughs> who came to see me on like, in like a, on a frigid night at midnight in New York. That show, it was just a duo show, you know, me and my guitarist, we flew out to New York to do that. And then gradually like doing some more shows there it's like when I say like creative home it's just as like a space where you feel like you can try out new ideas and you can try out new things and yeah I've done like duo shows there I've sang in like concerts that have been put on by other friends where there's like 20 people on this teeny stage (laughs) and then I've also you know been able to do larger shows like I did a show in 2019 that was like me six dancers I think five musicians, literally on on a stage the size of a postage stamp. But but yeah, just being able to to be like, what if I did just like a whole, <laughs> what if I just did like a full extravaganza here? That's been really special. And then this tour that I went on was a partnership with many different like parks, like New York City kind of like parks and recreation like sites. We took this small tour to prisons, kind of transitional housing for people who have formerly been incarcerated. That was really so special to do that in partnership with Joe's Pub, this amazing music venue, and the mobile unit whose main core is that art and culture can be for everyone and that it's the the program of the public that brings those things out to the five boroughs of New York for these free shows. So again, like values aligning to be able to present work for free and be able to really intimately connect with people. You know, that was February of 2020, Lindy. What were you doing February of 2020? Like the, like the moment, the moment before we lost the ability to have those intimate performing experiences. I know, I know. It it feels like a, a lifetime ago in so many ways, so many ways. It's gone by so slow and, and so fast all at the same time. Yes. But what I love about watching you talk about your work is your passion for this beautiful combination of human connection, art, 
culture, storytelling, outreach. It just, it seems like it's all just kind of woven together. And when I think about your stories of where it all began, it just, it seems so beautiful and so natural. It's like all, all the bit, all the bits of you and all the, the people who helped raise you artistically and as a human. And it just seems to kind of all echo through the work that you want to do and the stories you want to tell. Echo through. I really like that. Yes. Yes. It's so funny. Like that is so clear when you say it that way. A creative life is, at least mine, has had so many curves in the road, bringing me to all of these different places and experiences. And sometimes when I try to look at it, (laughs) I'm like, how did I get here? How did I get here? And then you're right. All of these different places that I've lived, all of these different people who have raised me creatively. I love that you said that. I've really been raised creatively by so many caring, incredible people, whether they be like mentors or teachers or just like colleagues and, you know, colleagues and friends, all of those things are the path. And it's mostly marked by, by the people who are there on the path with you. I love that so much. I have just a couple other questions for you. I love your artistic voice. I love this, the, the stories that you want to tell and the music that you make and the lyrics that you write. What is your hope for what resonates to this new musical theater artist, the young ones coming up. What do you hope resonates in them through your work? As I said before, all of the things, you know, all of the things that happen in your life kind of all convene to make you the artist that you are. And for me, it's like all of those things too that have contributed to my creative voice. And those things have been as variable as traditional songs and music from Puerto Rico, Irish and Scottish and American fiddle music that I was playing as a kid on the violin that was my first instrument, bluegrass and folk music that was, I think, deeply infused in me, you know, as I was growing up in Kentucky. Those are sort of like, you know, these musical things, but also the themes that I'm writing I hope that people can connect with these themes of home and belonging in this new moment in our world. People can know each other, but be really far away from each other. And I write a lot about that distance and trying to kind of love and understand across distance, which I think resonates with these new songwriters who have lived their lives very much on the worldwide internet. (laughs) So yeah, I think, I hope that those themes resonate. And also I hope that what resonates is that literally anything that they're excited about, that they think that they're the only person who (laughs) thinks it's cool or whatever, that that being a part of your music informs your voice. It forms part of your distinctive stamp on the musical landscape. So to listen to that, to just listen to it, because I'm sitting here with you and I never could have imagined that, you know, NPR would be describing my music as laid back like Southern Latin soul, (laughs) you know? But that's like all of these things that make me exactly who I am, all these places that make me exactly who I am have influenced my music. So rolling with that and just kind of 
allowing myself to be exactly who I am. It's, it sounds easier than it is, but I hope that young people will be like, wow, that's like so unique to her. The things that are unique to me are worthy of being celebrated and highlighted in my own, in my own work. I love that so much. I love that so much. It's such a resonant theme that comes up in our artist development program of not being afraid to be special, wonderful, unique you and not feeling like you have to fit into someone's someone else's definition of, you know, what does musical theater look like or what does this role look like or just harnessing your uniqueness and not being afraid to share it. And I just love hearing you say that just hearing you championing that and saying look I am an, an example here I here I am look look I did it yes I mean any innovations in the field of musical theater which people have said this before me but I'll repeat it because I love it musical theater is a is a medium for storytelling and not just a genre the people who break it and put it back together again are the songwriters that we remember the golden age of musical theater in the United States really ushered in this like movie musical like era that deeply influenced me and deeply influenced so many people. And there were a lot of things that characterized that as a, as a style, as styles of music. But what's so exciting about today is that, and that I saw in your students is that folks are drawing on the kind of music that they are interested in, that they connect to, that they resonate with and are using that as a medium for storytelling. There's nothing more exciting to me than that. Being delighted and surprised in the theater, that's what people are hungry for. And and so being able to break with tradition, give a nod to tradition, but do it totally your own way, it's not an easy road to feeling very confident in your unique voice. Because I don't have to tell you twice, or anybody who uses our worldwide internet twice, that there's a lot of people out there that want to say this is how to, this is how to feed, this is how to look, this is how things need to sound for it to be professional or good or cool or whatever. There's a lot out there that emphasizes that sameness. To be different and to be confident in that takes effort. It takes energy. It takes like finding your people who get you. Finding your people who get you. Like, you can try to, like, achieve the things that you want to do and get the things that you want to get, but there's nothing as gratifying. There's nothing as fun. There's nothing as uh, that infuses me with as much love and, and trust and belief in my work than working with my friends. Make cool things with your friends. Make things that you like with your friends. Like, Amy and I made things that we liked that were so random... And now I'm doing this as my job. <laughs> well, and you know, I can't help but think because a lot of what we like to do on this podcast is to talk about what we cultivate as theater artists and as musicians and how it can translate beyond our industry. And I just think what you just said is such a, a huge and amazing piece of advice for all of us, for all of us of not feeling like we have to fit into, I love that you said the sameness, the sameness of everything around us, that it's okay to bring your unique voice to the table, whether that's the creative table, that's the dinner table, that's the boardroom table, like whatever table you're coming to, 
not being afraid to be beautiful, unique you and to make things that you love with friends. I love it. Well, that is a perfect segue. So many good things. A perfect segue to my last question. Ooh. You've already hit on several several of these topics, but now I'm going to ask you to choose only one. I want you to think back all the way back to little Michelle growing up with her dad playing guitar and going to church and studying with Dr. Lugo, going to governor school for the arts, college. Think about the whole journey. If you can pick one thing that you've learned on this beautiful theatrical musical career of yours that you think might serve you best beyond the fourth wall, beyond our industry, what would you pick? One? One. Okay. That's so hard, Lindy. I have two answers. One is trusting myself, trusting the things that I liked, trusting my my style, trusting the things that would grab my attention that I wanted to keep pursuing, trusting myself. In Chicago, this thought came to me maybe three or four years ago that encapsulates a lot of like the things that I've learned along the road. I thought to myself, because I was really concerned at that time with what I was going to be doing, what I was going to be working on next, what kinds of projects, is it going to be in music? Is it going to be in theater? What path should I choose? You know, just those like deep crossroads moments. And this thought just came to me, what if I focused instead on the how of how I want to live? how I want to live. My, my hypothesis <laughs> that came to me from that thought was, if I focus on the how of how I want to live, how I want to make things, how I want to pursue these things, maybe the what will take care of itself. It's a hard thing to trust, but I really believe that for me at that time, it was a turning point to focus on the how of how I wanted to be living and how I wanted to be creating. Because after that point, the the what of what exactly I was going to be working on, I wouldn't say it fell into place, but it, it becomes clear if you focus on the how of how you want to live, how you want to move forward, how you want to be with yourself, in community, etc. What gorgeous advice. Trust yourself and create a life based on how you want to live it. Uh, Michelle J. Rodriguez, what a treat. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. Thank you for spending so much beautiful time with our Story Cycle students. I know it meant the absolute world to them. We are so glad to have you in our Lex family. Of course, you're from here in Lexington. Well, well you grew up part of the time in Lexington. And we're so glad to be able to welcome you home, even through a Zoom screen, um, back, <laughs> back, to, back to one of your hometowns. So thank you so much for being with us. Lindy, thank you so much. It 100% feels like being welcomed home in a deep way. So thank you. It's been a joy to talk with you. And it was such, such a pleasure to be in community with your students. I can't wait to hear their songs that they're recording soon. Oh my goodness. The new album coming soon. Well, meanwhile, congratulations to you on all that you have 
created for our beautiful theatrical community, and I can't wait to see what comes next from you. So good luck. Have fun. Keep creating. Congratulations. We're glad, so glad to know you. Thanks, Lindy. Bye. To learn more about Michelle and her work, visit her website, mishamusica.com, or follow her on social media at misha underscore musica. To find out more about the Lexington Theatre Company, visit our website, lexingtontheatrecompany.org, and follow us on social media at the Lex Theatre Co.